Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. Today's podcast is going to be an eclectic conversation, uh, ranging from Wim Hof method, growing your own food, being environmental, and sustainably focused. And my guest today is Billy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Madeline. I'm uh, really excited to kind of dive a little deeper into this conversation uh, with you. But, uh, you know, we spoke briefly before this podcast, so I can kind of get to know a little bit about you. And I kind of want to start at the beginning with zoology. Like, what, what gives there? What, what, what's that about? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah, that's, um, that's where, you know, a lot of my, that's my solid foundation. Um, I decided to study zoology. In university, I went to the University of Guelph, um, and I that whole path of, of learning was forged when I was a kid, when I was a little boy. So I'm an only child, um, and I grew up with a dog as my my brother, you know, my best friend. Um, and I used to spend like hours and hours and hours hanging out with him and looking into his eyes and trying to communicate with him and just imagining that he must understand something. What does he understand? What is his perception of reality? What, like, what's going on behind those eyes? And that was sort of like an obsession of mine. Uh, I would try to communicate with other animals, like hope that birds would come and land on my fingers. And I don't know, just really wanted to understand what was going on in these other beings' reality. So fast forward through my childhood, well, I mean, I could explain, I could show, tell you that, like, I mean, I grew up on a lake as well. So I would, I was really interested, just so interested in nature and the natural world and all the, you know, the diversity of life that I would see. So I, I used to catch a lot of crayfish in Lake Kuchjing, which is uh, on the uh, side of Aurelia, where I'm from, Aurelia, Ontario. So it's a beautiful setting for me to like learn or to really get inspired by these things. And then so when it came time to pick like a, a program in university, I didn't really have any clear um, career in mind or anything like that. I kind of thought maybe I'd be a vet, but no, not sure about that. Which by, um, by the way, you definitely want to know if you're going to be a vet because it's really hardcore. <laughs> it's even harder to get into vet school than it is med school. So, so anyway, I went to university, went to did my zoology program and yeah, I, I wanted to really dive into animal behavior and just learn more about, animals in general. And so I did, I learned all about the different diversity of life on earth. Um, there's some crazy, crazy stuff out there and it's, it's pretty wacky. And yeah, I guess now I look back at it, I'm like, holy crap, I have, you know, I'm so glad I took that program, even though I'm not working as a vet or working in conservation or working directly with animals as a career choice, I'm working with the human animal. Um, so I guess I am working with animals, but I'm not working with and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what we would think about as what we would sort of classify as an, uh, as animals. Basically, you know, 
everything but the homo sapien species Correct. right yeah awesome well that that must have been so cool like is there anything that stands out for you that you like learned like what was something profound for you about animals that you yeah, discovered I, I think one of the big things that's coming to mind right now is just how much how many like superpowers animals have just what abilities they, they have to see to hear to smell to feel you know all the different senses they and and the different strategies they have the, the way that evolution has uh, essentially created their their whole functionality their whole morphology um, you see such a diversity uh, and then you see similarities and it's really it's just beautiful to see what has been created in nature and what nature just how perfect nature is um, and that's you know a perfect that, that led me that's served as a really great foundation for what I do now because yeah I mean nature is the ultimate uh, sort of teacher and when we work with her you know we can achieve great things so yeah, animals can do some really crazy stuff. They can live in some extreme conditions from, you know, highly radioactive environments to highly pressurized environments in hydrothermal vents in the ocean, super hot environments, just pure rock animal. Like some, you know, live in these lithospheric environments, just pure rock. Uh, it's really, really crazy what's out there. I always loved um, watching like the BBC, you know, um, documentaries about animals and stuff like it's just so amazing to see um, you know like how did this all come to be like how you know it's just so it, it, it's very mind expanding for me to see how adaptation happens to the environment and yeah so that would have been definitely a very interesting um, take on um, learning really yeah. so that was what I supplemented with too. Like every, you know, weekend or whatever, I would, I would like binge watch, uh, whatever, like planet earth and all the different shows that were coming out. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a good way. And YouTube, YouTube was, a, was fun back in the day. There were a lot of interesting animal videos or like giant centipedes, you know, and just things that we would study in class. And then you see it in reality and you're like, Holy shit. And like, I understand how that works. Crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I I gotta say I don't uh, I'm not a big fan of centipedes. Like I leave them alone, but I don't. I'm like Ugh! when I see one, um, I don't know. They just look weird and scary. Um, so to see a giant one would just like be mind blowing to me. <laughs> and you know what? That could be an evolutionary thing. There's you know people say that mammals have an, uh, are not fond of reptiles, especially snakes, because if you go back to the history where mammals were you know not the number one species or not the number one group on earth like now in modern days mammals tend to be the dominant sort of species um but yeah i mean obviously for hundreds of millions of years we had dinosaurs we had reptiles that were ruling earth so we were coming became our ancestors are meek little you know rodent like creatures that were scurrying in the darkness that were avoiding getting eaten by these giant you know lizards yeah dinosaurs so that's like an ingrained um, instinct of ours to, to not really like these creepy crawly things. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So, okay. So you do your zoology. Where does life take you next? Yeah. So it was a bit of a really a big bump in the road for me. My, my last year of school of zoology, my, my dad passed away from lung cancer. And so 
you know, he had been diagnosed with lung cancer 10 years prior. He received treatment and, you know, received, he had his lung taken out and all that stuff and doing all his checkups and, you know, got the check mark there. But then, you know, a couple of years later, after that five year window, uh, I guess, it, you know, it came back. And that was obviously the, an incredibly significant point uh, for me, you know, being my, not only it's my fourth year, but my dad and uh, my mentor, my like center of my universe is gone. And so I was just really, really lost and confused for, you know, a number of years, actually. Um, at the time, I, I was living at home in Aurelia with my mom. And my mental health, obviously, you know, was, was struggling. And I was really, you know, self-medicating um, for that period of time with, with pot and with alcohol. And it started to lead into an unhealthy uh, way of dealing with stress and, and hiding emotions. So that was really a tough time. And actually, you know, that whole pattern is something that I have recently uh, feel like I've really uh, addressed or, you know, I've, I understand it now. And it's something that I, I work with now with my own clients. So it's, it's actually been a gift. But yeah, at that time, it was, it was a big, big struggle for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's always a struggle when you're like finishing school and wondering what to, you know, what to do next. And then, you know, having a major life event, um, seemingly at the time feel like it's taken you off the road into like the unknown terrain. Um, and interestingly, um, sometimes our struggles become, what's the word? Um, they become our superpowers actually, yeah. right? Because, yeah. you know, when we can live through something and walk through the other side, it really helps us have the empathy for the person who's in it um, and be able to guide that person sort of step, step by step. Like, you know, here's what I, here's what worked for me. Here's what I did. Um, just giving people like a framework, right? They don't have to do it your way, but I find, a lot of people do benefit from having some sort of a structured framework that like can wrap their brains around and then they can kind of make it into their own. Mm -hmm. um, so you said, you know, like you're working with clients. So tell us a little bit about what you are doing. Like, what do you, what's, what's your, like, what, what do you, what is your job now? <laughs> right now? Yeah. My job is I'm actually creating an online program, an online group coaching program through a, uh, with the help of Lori Kennedy. So she's an awesome, you know, wellness, uh, essentially wellness business coach. And so I'm taking all of the, the different tools, all the different techniques that I've been using over the years to help uh, regain my mental clarity and packaging that together into like a 12 week program. So my, after I studied zoology and after a few years of, of fumbling around, I moved to Toronto and I ended up taking uh, a holistic nutrition program through the Canadian school of natural nutrition. You know, I, I was in a relationship with a girl and it kind of went through a bumpy time and then we got out of that bumpy time and she's like, Hey, you are, you love nutrition. Like I really think you should study this program. And I was like, Hey, you know what? You're right. I'm going to do it. And that whole process led to me, led me to sort of uh, take off my science hat because you know, Bachelor of Science in Zoology, I was doing research, I was really uh, in the scientific world and really needing this, all this academic verification before I could really trust anything. And taking this holistic nutrition program allowed me to like ease off on that, 
on that mindset. And it was really challenging too, because I was like, no, like I need, where are the references? There weren't an abundance of references, but we study traditional knowledge and knowledge that's shown time and time and time and time and time again uh, for its efficacy. And as we all know that, you know, we can't do research on everything all the time instantly. So there's a, there's a, there's a bottleneck, right? So we're not going to have all of these verified uh, sort of answers to all of these techniques that we study in the holistic world. So that allowed me to shift gears, shift into a different mind state and then bring with me a still a background of science, but then also an open mind, um, a mind that's willing to go into the unknown. And, and that really showed me the value because like my, my life yet kept on going into different sort of stages of, of growth um, after that, it, more from a spiritual perspective, in fact, uh, from, with energy and that sort of thing and with trusting and, and that sort of thing. So it's been really, really cool. So that's what I bring to the table with my programs now is having that unique combination of, you know, starting off in a scientific sense and, and being like really chained to that and then being more open-minded and more willing to like, you know, admit or take off my, like, you know, my science hat or admit that I don't know everything and just open myself up to the possibility that there's, you know, more to learn. And so that's just, that's where I, where I am now. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so my, my road actually started in social science as in anthropology and then flipped over into the sciences. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very interesting because, you know, I, was looking at how different cultures understand health, wellness, you know, dis-ease. Uh, so medical anthropology was kind of my, like, niche interest. Um, and then so I got to take all of those, like, traditional concepts and merge it now with modern, you know, physiotherapy. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool when you can kind of see both ends of the spectrum. Um, I think it gives you a greater flexibility in what you bring to the table like it's just more yeah. mind mind ex, mind expanding so where does Wim Hof come in and you may need to explain to our listeners who Wim Hof is um, but I'm just really curious how that came into your story totally yeah, it's, it's been quite recent actually but um, due to the fact that I am you know Canadian and uh, we as Canadians endure, you know, two thirds of the year in frigid temperatures. I was already well primed for the teachings of Wim Hof, which so Wim Hof is a guy from the Netherlands, and he's uh, basically, you know, has this method that he's he's created. And it's nothing. It's not like the individual elements of it aren't his, you know, his creations. They are things that he's borrowed from different uh, fields of study. But essentially, he is known as the Iceman. He goes into the cold. He set all these Guinness records for his ability to withstand cold temperatures. Probably the craziest one is, you know, sitting in ice for almost two hours, which actually that record was just broken by an Austrian guy. Um, but still, he, he showed the world, like, what the human body is capable of when we uh, tap into the deeper potential that's in us, that's dormant within us. And so for me, I discovered Wim, how did I discover Wim Hof? I actually first heard him mentioned by Julie Danilek uh, back in like 2016 or so. I think I was at a, a talk by Julie and I love Julie. I've always like followed her and really listened to, you know, I've heard her speak a lot and have even received some mentoring from her. So I take her, her words very strongly. And, but it wasn't until about two years later that I actually dove deeper into Wim Hof 
I think it was, I just heard of him more and more through my own social media channels and what he did getting into cold. And I was like, okay, that's, that's really cool. And I was on email list. I saw an opportunity, of course, in Toronto to do the Wim Hof method. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I just went and did it. Essentially, you know, you do this breathing, uh, which is deep belly breath. Uh, so I'm a yoga teacher, <laughs> by the way. And I can talk more about that later. But essentially, yeah, the belly breath, the belly breathing is something that we learn in yoga. But it's an incredibly powerful tool to flood your body with oxygen. And, you know, when we did this breathing technique, you essentially are high. You get high on your own supply. And then you're primed and ready to go into the cold or do something really unpleasant, really uncomfortable, whether it's, you know, even having like a conversation with somebody, for example, like something that you really are resistant to or afraid of. Um, but for most people, cold temperatures are a natural, easy way to be, to be feel uncomfortable. And so that's why that really works well. You do the breathing, then you do the cold immersion. And then when you come out of the cold, uh, after you've warmed up, depending on how long you're in the cold for, you are really well primed to meditate because everything has calmed down. The cold really, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to explain it on a deep uh, physio, uh, physiological level, but it really resets your system in a way that allows you to enter that parasympathetic state, which is, of course, something that in 2019, we don't... Uh, really we don't ever do? No, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll just um, say to our listeners, the parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for arrest, digest, repair, reproduce. Um, and the, um, I guess the flip side of the parasympathetic is the sympathetic, which is our fight, flight, or freeze. Um, so it's basically our stress system and our relaxation system to break it down to its basics. Um, I just figured I'd give some context to, context to that. And it's interesting because I started reading. Um, have you heard of the book called The Plant Paradox? Yeah, by uh, Gundry. By Gundry, yeah. So I just picked up his book, The Long Longevity Paradox. <laughs> and uh, he talks about getting in the shower. You could go start lukewarm and then just start turning it down until it's absolutely freezing cold that somehow – that wakes up our autonomic nervous system and really helps us kind of reset. So I tried it once. No, maybe twice. <laughs> it's, I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's, it's a little easier when you start warm and then go cold. Oh, totally. It's, it's really yeah. hard to get into a cold shower. Yeah. It's like that will. You're like, I know that it's going to suck in about 10 or two seconds, but I do that now because, you know, I'm not hardcore, but um, no, it's, it's totally, you know, this is what ties into zoology for me. Um, I, you know, Wim Hof talks about that, you know, the human organism, human animal has, you know, we, we've lost touch with our true wild instincts, our true wild way of being, which is a little bit of cold air is not going to kill you. In fact, we used to endure so much hardship, so much struggling. We might not have eaten for days on end. That's where this fasting comes in as well. But, you know, there might be times where we were exposed in the environment for however long and we just dealt with it, right? And we had this instinctual way to do that. But because of our modern lifestyle, our thermostat, our big fluffy sweaters, our whatever, our well-insulated homes, we've totally lost the ability to, uh, and, like on a, on a mental level, from a very essential, deep level, to be comfortable with doing that or be okay with 
going into the cold. So this is a really great way to, to not only challenge yourself and to develop it in like a mindset and a motivational sort of way of thinking, but also um, from a physical perspective, it really helps to, uh, it makes you more resistant to cold for one. So you don't really care that you're cold anymore. And it also helps you, believe it or not, to burn more fat because it helps to produce more brown fat on the body. Brown fat is something that, um, as a, versus white fat, white fat, we all know what white fat is. We all want to get rid of it. Brown fat is actually really great because it produces heat. And, you know, you'll see that in abundance in rodents, um, which you have tons of brown fat, like chipmunks, and that they use to stay warm in the cold weather. Uh, but when we develop our brown fat, that then uses energy from the white fat. And so we actually can increase our fat burning potential by doing this cold exposure as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Cause I, I mean, I hadn't heard of Gundry, but you know, dealing with my own bad microbiome issue I was having when I picked it up at one of my business coaching programs of all places was on the recommended reading list. So I pick it up, I open the flap and it's all about fixing your gut microbiome. And I was like, this is exactly the universe's saying, like, you need to read this. And he talks about fasting in there too, but he talks about, um, like, uh, calorie restricting for a couple days in a row to trick your body into thinking that you're fasting and that that is actually a really important thing for us because he's like, guys, 365 days a year, you can go to the supermarket, you can buy whatever you want, whether it's in season or not. And he goes, we were never meant for constant growth. Totally. Right. And so I was like, well, that makes, you know, a lot of sense. Um, and you know, so, uh, doing my antibiotic regimen and starting his like eating plan, like I feel amazing, like, mm -hmm. you know, and my gut is like way more happy right now than it has been in like a year and a half. And it, and it was just really, really um, interesting to see those concepts. But then you see these concepts come up in all sorts of like wellness, right? The ice thing, the fasting thing, the, you know, eating more, eating more plants or eating more plant-based um, was really interesting to see. I don't know how much in nutrition you guys talk about the gut microbiome and... yeah. Yeah, we, we do talk about it a bit. Um, you know, it's been six years. Mm -hmm. It's actually funny, you know, I, I have a new roommate and she's moved in because she's going down to study the program that I did in Toronto. So she, today's her first day of school. So I'm really excited because I'm going to like get a review from her and I'm going to ask her questions to ask uh, our teachers and stuff like that. But yeah. no, we definitely talk about the gut microbiome. Um, you know, I, you know, we just talk about wanting to support it. Essentially, there's, there's not like there's any crazy, I don't want to, like we don't go into fads or anything like that, but we yeah. really just talk about the fact that there's a gut microbiome. We want to support it and that helps with digestion. You know, there's foods, especially things high in sugar are going to feed the bad microbes or the, the mm. microbes that we don't really want. I, I don't like the term bad and good microbes because, you know, they're all necessary. They're all, there's, you know, bad and good is just our perspective. Um, and when we say bad, yeah. we feed them sugar, they grow in abundance and then they start to create a lot of gas and make us feel like crap, right? Yeah. That's why they're bad, but they're, what's bad is our diet and, and, and <laughs> processed carbs that are, you know, spike our blood sugar, but also they are just high in sugar and that feeds these guys. We want to feed the, the good guys, I guess you could say, and we want to be mindful of what we're doing. 
Or you can look at it as, I guess, like supporting the microbiome that's like symbiotic with us. That's like there to like work with us to keep things, you know, sustainable. Yeah. 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 Because you can imagine that we have, I mean, this is why I love the fact that I studied zoology because I can very easily visualize well that, you know, we've got a whole ecosystem inside of our, uh, our gut and we've got, you know, probably hundreds if not thousands or more different species of bacteria, different species of protists, which are another class of life that are completely different, like a paramecium and an amoeba. Like these are part of a different sphere of life. We have bacteria, protists, we even have, we have fungus as well. So another sphere of life. So we've all this, all this stuff that's, and we also have animals, we have parasites in us as well. So, and these things are all living and cohabiting in this space, right? And so we really want to, um, you know, our environment, the environment that these organisms live in will determine what organisms like multiply, flourish, what, well, yeah, what flourish and what die off. Right. And so, because we're the host organism and we suffer or are, uh, you know, receive benefit from these things. And we want to make sure that we're creating a good environment that is stable and that helps us to live our best lives. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's something that I'm trying to dive um, much deeper into, of course, for my own, you know, selfish reasons of keeping my, you know, my, my gut microbiome happy, but, uh, but I'm learning lots as well in terms of how, you know, our, our food can promote other disease processes. Right. Um, so we're, we talked a little bit about the, the, growing your own food. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to change, uh, kind of, well, not change major gears, but change slight gears and, and talk about, you know, you, you had sort of said that you're for growing your own food. So I'd like to hear kind of your perspective on that. Yeah. Cool. So going back to the sort of my timeline, I mean, after I finished or when I was midway through this holistic nutrition program, we spent a week or two talking about our food and where it comes from, how it's produced. And so that really lit, you know, that was a spark that lit the flame of, of passion in me for, for learning about food and for growing food. You know, the way that we produce our food in, in the world today, we, we are, you know, however many, seven and a half billion people on planet earth. And so there's this sort of, um, narrative that we must produce enough food so that we will, you know, not go hungry. Okay. I don't know. Like there's no way that we go hungry in the West. We, we actually are the exact opposite. We are overfed and we're undernourished. We're overeating really rich foods, hot, you know, animal foods and foods in refined carbs. We're growing so much uh, food that we're throwing half of it away. It's not that we're not able to grow enough food. It's that we're not able to, our relationship with food is so, so messed up that we don't really value it as much as we should. And like you mentioned earlier, we're not supposed to have access to all of the food around planet earth all of the time. That's what's causing a lot of gut dysbiosis or gut imbalance in the microbiome. That's what's causing us to have eating disorders too, from, you know, binge eating and all this stuff, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, we're so detached and this gen, like a few generations of, of humans have become so detached from where their food comes from. I recently watched a documentary where it was uh, reminding us, or it was talking about how in like the forties, I think there were like ads from the government that were like, grow a garden, save your country. 
like help your country and, and grow a garden. Like it was such a thing. And then now we've forgotten our, well, only until now, I think it's starting to come back like big time with urban, the urban food movement and just people being more interested in their food. So, so from there I took a course after my nutrition program, I took a gardening program and that was just like a little taster of, of more of the, into the food realm. But I loved it because it was all about holistic. It was a holistic concept. And then that bell went off in my head that everything I've been ever interested in has been in the way that like this system works, like the holistic, uh, just the holistic way of being. And, and that's, you know, the biggest system is mother nature is earth. Right. And so we can see all these other systems and how, when we, when we think about a system and how can we nourish that system, then we, you know, versus, um, you know, treating the bandaid or applying a bandaid and, and just to mask a symptom. When we create a strong system, we are really doing the deep work and we create real uh, resiliency. So that can be applied to food as well. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, I could talk more about that. Well, um, I wanted to maybe dive into like, what are some of the benefits you see of people getting back to reconnecting with food? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, just as you mentioned again, with, with healing the gut microbiome, um, when we, improve our relationship or develop our relationship with food, then we see the value of eating certain foods and we see the lack of value in eating other foods. We understand what's good for us and what's bad for us. We don't just look on Instagram or, you know, the next celebrity endorsement to, to guide us in our dietary decisions. We fully uh, are able to guide ourselves. And so that's what my goal has always been is to teach people uh, what is, you know, how to be their own, uh, I don't want to say be their own doctor necessarily because we still obviously need every professional, every health professional in their own way. But really, um, you know, a lot of the diseases today are caused through chronic, like uh, through chronic bad diet. And if we can help people to have a better relationship with food, then we're, we're helping that. So, you know, the benefits of gardening are just like off the charts. You, if you grew a garden in the backyard, assuming you've got a backyard, because obviously some people don't, but luckily there's more and more access to community gardening in urbanized places. But this is like an activity that involves the entire family. You know, you can have uh, mom, dad, and the kids out in the yard doing the, the weeding and doing the various garden maintenance that needs to be done. Um, you know, getting like your kids, if you've got young kids, then you really should have a garden because then they will get exposed to more bacteria, which will help their microbiome, in fact. So getting dirty, being around animals, being outside, this is something that is really good for us that we're missing out on in our modern lifestyle. And then I think that another really great thing, I mean, you're moving, you're bending, you're, you're working, you know, you're, it's, it's a really good um, low impact, but still very uh, good and natural way of moving. It's a very primal way of moving. We're not going into the gym and just doing a bunch of uh, uh, machines and stuff like that. We're moving in a way that supports uh, a more, yeah, primal way of, of moving. Whole body. Uh, whole body and different types of loads and all that kind of stuff on different areas of the body. People are coming together, growing food. There's community gardening, like I said. There's so many garden workshops that are emerging. Um, so there's just so many benefits from a community level, from a health level, from a family level, you know, 
gratitude, right? When you're growing it, you see how much effort's put into like bringing this food. So you're going to probably, I mean, I would say probably more likely to not waste it, right? And find different ways. Okay, well, we made this with this. How do I repurpose the leftovers and make this other thing? So it adds an element of, I think, creativity, gratitude, connection. Fully. I mean, it's it's actually, I'm glad that you said creativity and you know, self-expression, you can express yourself through your garden based on the way that you design it. Um, and that's a whole other movement called permaculture, which might as well be called holistic agriculture because the concept is that you are essentially, um, you know, permanently affixed to the land. You're not creating any deficit. In fact, you're actually healing the land based on your design and how you express your, uh, your garden, you know, how you create your garden. So, in permaculture, I mean, I won't go too far down there, but uh, essentially you are, yeah, optimizing your space so that you can, you know, it's, a, it's an optimal garden for your particular life needs based on yeah, what, you, what your goals are uh, with, with food or with, you know, community or so it's really cool to see that as well. For sure. And I mean, I, I've seen um, like a community garden pop up in Hamilton just around, uh, I think it's around city hall. Like they have a sign community, you know, garden. And I think it's, um, you know, I think it's good cause we're all kind of disconnected from each other in this hyper connected, like, I, th- I feel like we need more meaningful ways of connecting. Um, but it's also a great opportunity for learning, right? Like, I don't know anything about soil and like what goes into it. Like, you know, what's, is this a weed or is this not a weed? You know, like, so you're kind of learning about different plant species, chemistry, all of that stuff. So there's so many benefits. Yeah. I mean, you know, you learn, yeah, about the natural world, biology, chemistry, physics, uh, and, with the community gardens, I mean, some might think, okay, there's a community garden outside of Hamilton's, you know, um, city hall, you know, how many people is that realistically going to feed? Right. So a lot of times, you know, people might be like, Hey, like, okay, community garden's great, but how is it going to feed the people that need it the most? And what I say to that is that it's, it is a symbol. It is a, a way to inspire people to come back to their food, to understand their food. And then they can have more empathy for those that don't have access to healthy food. Because when we look at our food banks and we look at all these programs that we like, I'm, I'm really glad that we have them, you know, um, and I'm sure those that are in need are glad as well. But these food banks and programs usually don't uh, stock their shelves with fresh produce. And they, there's usually less, uh, you know, savory choices because that's just what's abundant in our system. So and if, if it doesn't, doesn't feed these people necessarily directly, but it helps to show others who have more, uh, you know, more, so, so like privilege or more resources in our society, how they can contribute and what they can do, or maybe they do donate more money to a food bank. And, you know, I worked uh, with the Aurelia food bank, my hometown of Aurelia to help them create new guidelines for their nutrition policy. What's considered good food, what they're looking for in donations. Uh, they reached out to me because of my, my work with my company, eat, learn, grow. So they, yeah. So it, it, it all comes back full circle. It, it's holistic, right? It's like, it's on so many levels, it can help to build a stronger, more resilient system. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and I could, I sense that passion in you. And that's why I was like, we, I'm like, I'd love for you to share that passion, um, you know, with the world about, you know, growing food. And I mean, we successfully grew little 
um, you know, tomatoes and herbs. And it's just kind of nice. Oh, I need some, you know, basil or I need some rosemary. I like, I need these things that I'm going to be using and they're right there in my backyard. Now, I probably have a little bit more learning to do about like how to get, you know, develop a bit better green thumb. Um, well, that's the thing. Every single year we learn, you know, you want to take notes and understand. And then and that way, the learning never stops. You'll never not have a year where you learn something, right? So it's just about learning different things and learning maybe more advanced things as time goes on. But you want to keep track of, of what's going on in your garden, what you planted, how it did. You know, and then that next year, you're like, okay, well, that rosemary didn't do so well or, you know, whatever. And then you yeah. move and change the soil conditions in some way or, you know, plant it with another species or, or whatever it is that you've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. You have to start somewhere and it's okay to be imperfect about it, right? Because that's really the learning part. Yeah. So, so you were mentioning that you're working on this new program. I'm curious, you know, who, who are the people that you think are really going to resonate with your program? Yeah. So right now I'm working on a program. I, I've taken sort of a sidestep from the, the food growing specifically. It's still really deep passion of mine. I see the, the potential and uh, you know, just the potential to, to help so many people and reduce the suffering in the world. That's my ultimate goal. But this program in uh, specifics is more geared towards guys like me, guys that are, you know, I'm 32. So I'm looking at the, you know, guys that are, are, and as I alluded to earlier, you know, I, I've gone through, I've had a journey with, with substances, with mental health, and I, I can speak that language really clearly, really easily. I understand it. I understand the emotions, the shame, the guilt that go into this, the, the psych, the cyclic nature, the stress that happens, uh, you know, when there's stress, then we, we choose bad substances to numb out. And so what I'm doing is I'm creating a program that involves all my different life hacks, whether it's, you know, the Wim Hof breathing, whether it's running really hard, uh, signing up for like a marathon, like committing to something really big, like a big goal like that, obviously going to be teaching about holistic nutrition, um, teaching about meditation, getting good sleep, uh, and also about, uh, eat like sobriety. So, um, something that is big in, in this sphere actually is the, uh, you know, the sobriety movement, people are going, you know, and there's dry July or sober October. And a lot of the times these are um, going in support of like prostate cancer, I believe, and other male focused uh, initiatives. And an even uh, more significant thing is when, if we can talk about sex for a brief moment, like men, Go for it. I mean, we live in a day of like, I'm holding my phone right now. And this thing is such a gift and a curse because it is completely morphing our um, our dopamine system. And from a sexual perspective, I mean, guys are addicted to porn. Many guys watch way too much porn. And I've been super guilty of that. And I've seen the effect, you know, in my relationships and in, in the bedroom. Um, and so I really want to bring that to the table as well, because uh, if, you know, my ideal client is a male and for a man to be at his best, you know, um, you know, there's nothing worse than not being able to be not being able to pleasure your partner as like, you know, and not having that strong masculine presence. Um, and you know, there's more shame and guilt to come with that. And so I encourage my, my clients to try a month of like celibacy, self celibacy. So no, no masturbation. And you know, that's something that I believe is very powerful. There's a lot of people doing that too. Um, and talking about that and that's my, my friend has actually, guided me to do that my old roommate from university so it all comes around full circle it's really funny how that all works but 
Um, so that, those are some of the things that I'm adding into this program. And yeah, it's just stuff that I've learned over the last few years that have really helped me to regain and rediscover my, my sense of self-confidence and self-sufficiency. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, whether it's a, you know, you know, a month of sobriety or, um, you know, a month of like no phone after, like, I think um, there's a lot of self-discovery that's going to happen in that time. And not everything's going to be like sunshine and rainbows, right? Like, I'm sorry, that's, you know, we're, we go through these hardships. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say hardships, but challenges because that's what's going to create growth there is no growth if you just you know stay status quo right and and, you know it's 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 it is a challenge um i mean you know i treat people who are in in pain right and and some of the things that need to get looked at are uncomfortable and you know it's not a bad thing it's not bad to be uncomfortable, whether it's getting into a cold shower or going a little bit hungry because you're fasting. Like the body is so resilient. The mind can be so resilient. It's just, we don't dedicate any time toward personal development and self-development. And, we, and we're lacking guides, I think. We're lacking guides. It's the anthropology coming in. We had rituals and (laughs) rites of passage and like all these things that like helped us along our journey right now. Where do we go? Yeah, you're, you're totally right. I mean, and this is all comes full circle. I mean, because when we talk about getting uncomfortable, that is what cold exposure does. That is what Wim talks about. Um, another guy that I, I follow that I love and that I really recommend that our, your listeners go and, and check out is David Goggins. So David Goggins, I mean, I won't go into too much detail, but essentially he is like a, a discomfort zone 101, you know, guru. And he, his whole life has been about being uncomfortable and so inspirational. Something that I love doing is listening to Goggins while I'm running. And there's nothing that is like such a, incredible experience because when you can feel the discomfort and then act anyway when you feel the fear and act anyway then you you get courage and then you you know you grow and you just become way better and way more able to realize your dreams so seeking discomfort is like it's the best thing it's the best thing to be addicted to and and if you're going to be and i say that word and i'm kind of cautious about using it I don't mean to do it all the time without ever resting. Of course, it's good to rest. But if you're somebody who's been sitting around for a long time, wishing, hoping, wanting, kind of thinking, dwelling, all this stuff, then I invite you to get up off your butt and go for like a run. Or, you know, if you need to walk first, walk. But I'm sure you could run and walk and just get moving, right? And Or have a cold shower. Do both. After your run, go and have a cold shower. I guarantee you, you will feel like something has totally shifted inside of you. It's incredible. Absolutely. And I agree. Like exercise is uncomfortable, like getting the burn, you know, the deep burn in your muscles, right? It's uncomfortable, but it's so good for you. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we've just become so like anti-discomfort that it's like really making it a challenge for, for us to like get 
past the ceiling of like status quo, right? It's hard for us to break through because it means going into the unknown and into the uncomfortable. So um, yeah, I'll definitely uh, take a look at some of his, uh, some of his work. So uh, I have one final question as we, you know, wind down our very eclectic talk, which I didn't even know it was going to go this way, but I love it. Um, You know, if people are interested in following you, Yep. Or want to know like what you're up to next? Where are the best places for people to follow you? Find me, yeah. Right now, I'm really active on Facebook, so I create a pretty regular live post uh, most mornings or many mornings after I've finished a run or some sort of workout. Sometimes I'll I'll pop up in a grocery store or wherever the heck I am and just kind of have a a moment and and talk about what I'm doing and um, I also have an Instagram account so on Facebook I'm Billy Brown you can find me if you type in Billy Brown and then type in my hometown of Aurelia O R I L L I A you will find me immediately and I'm also on Instagram not as active but Billy Brown underscore one 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 that's that's where I'm at I am right now currently in transition with my website um, so wait for that. But yeah, you'll definitely, if you go to billybrown.ca, you'll be able to find me. Excellent. And for our listeners, I'll get the links from Billy and I'll post them in the show notes. So it makes it easier for you to just click and uh, follow. So uh, Billy, I've really enjoyed this. I am looking forward to seeing what, you know, what you come up with next. Um, I think you're, you know, doing some great work, having some very important conversations. Um, so I, yeah, I'm just, I'm good. I'm very curious to see how this unfolds for you. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I imagine. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on the show and being a guest and, uh, hopefully maybe in a, in the sometime in the future, we'll, we'll come together and chat about your uh, program when it's ready. Sounds awesome. Looking forward to it big time. Awesome. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.